0: This is the High Hopes Podcast. Hope. It's a bunch of baseball nerds talking about the Phillies. On Radio.com
1: and Sports Radio 94 WIP. So it is another edition of the High Hopes Podcast.
0: No, that was allowed. Was that
1: allowed? I didn't okay, Well, Oh, yeah. I, I, I was didn't to a pod last week, more or less, because I was so angry at the Marlins that I probably would have said something And I just would have bitched about it. And I was angry at Rob Manfred, and I was angry at everybody, but now the Phillies just split with the Yankees, Jack. I know that, that it shouldn't be the goal to, to split, but... And and we'll get to every game here and and we all know how frustrating a couple of the the, the two losses were, but it finally feels like baseball's back after that ridiculous back and then hiatus and and all that crap.
0: I mean, it, it it definitely is. Uh and and taking taking two or three from the Yankees just or taking or splitting with the Yankees is just sweet. Um, cause honestly, like I, I walked into this series and I was like, oh, they're just going to get their doors, <laughs> doors blown off. Um, and well,
1: especially when, when game one was, was basically a, an automatic loss. I mean, was there a person on the planet who thought that after being off for over a week and then going in the Yankee stadium to face Garrett Cole, the Phillies were going to win that game. Like in reality, I know what you mean when you inadvertently said they took two or three. Because they kind of did. It felt like the first game was just like they have no chance to win that game, no matter what.
0: I mean, I like that. We're, I like that. That's how we're spinning it. That game one.
1: I, I, it's exactly how I'm spinning it. Yeah, oh, game yeah?
0: one was uh didn't even actually count towards the the, <laughs> the rest I don't even of the know season.
1: What happened? I mean, yeah, I, I don't know.
0: I, yeah, I think I think that's totally fair. Um, but you know, because if people have been so down on this team, and you know, and, and for for. Right reasons. I mean, the bullpen has been awful to watch, and uh, the star rotation's been okay. the The offense has been definitely up and down, um, it kinda, and it kind of and it kind of feels like the, the talk around the team is kind of uh, you know one foot in, one foot out with with this Phillies team. And you know, and this is what they did all last year, and that's what they did under Kepler in in eighteen is like they would play, play like crap against terrible teams like the Marlins, and then they show up and be pretty good against against the teams that are actually good in baseball so uh i'm actually i'm, I'm not surprised at all that they split like it, i actually thought they were going to split this whole time um and the the fact that they did it was was crazy the fact that um Eflin went five tonight and they were able to get four innings from the bullpen is crazy and they were I mean, able to it's actually a,
1: it's a miracle it's a it's a true miracle jack
0: and and let the scorebook show that nick pivetta held the lead um, you know, there's not a lot of.
1: <laughs> that inning was so clean, too. And look, we'll get into every single one of these games and, and die. I, I texted Jack, we're going to try and stay under two hours. I have so many notes, and it's also late at night. But I have so many things I want to get into. I mean,
0: I back. think they, I think they made these six o'clock starts just for you. I mean, it's only nine forty-five.
1: <laughs> it's an amazing thing. Uh, you know me; I'm, I'm always bitching about how late it is. So it is what it is. I have to get up earlier than you. Your show's in the afternoon; mine's in the morning. You know, it is what it is.
0: I mean, why don't Even you break here? Come on, why don't you bring up that you have a twenty-month-year-old? I, I, get...
1: I also have a twenty-month-old who wakes up every morning at six at the latest, and it is what it is. And she's a great sleeper, so shout out to Zoe. But um, uh, look, I, I think the of, of it's funny because if we had done this pod yesterday or last night or whatever, like the predominant thing we would have talked about was the bullpen. And now we come into this one where and again, the bullpen is horrendous and soul crushing. But we come in after this one where they actually found a way to hold down the lead. It is uh, it, it's it's nice. It makes it a little softer for me, Jack.
0: Well, listen, I'll say this. I feel really confident now. You are allowed to play this back if this backfires, but
1: uh oh, at this oh god, don't put it in your bio.
0: At this exact moment, on August sixth, nine forty-five, nine
1: forty-five,
0: yes, on August sixth, I think Jose Alvarez and Hector Neris are lockdown. If, <laughs> if you if you get the ball, if you get the ball to Hector Neris and Jose Alvarez in the eighth and ninth inning. You're gonna win most games <laughs> that you're in.
1: I, it's a great point, Jared. and I'm just I,
0: and this is coming from a guy who was like mere seconds away from maybe taking the Yankees live because I've seen this Phillies bullpen. But you know what? <laughs> oh, that little that little thing in the back of my head was like Alvarez Tenares. Like that's oh, find me find me a more lockdown it's eight like nine like and eight. Ma- it's like Madsen to Lidge eight. I mean, right more or less. More more or less, or sometimes more.
1: I will say that that Naris judge at bat was and I know Hector scared us a little bit in the ninth, but that that judge at bat was was big time. And I know the judge was coming off the bench and cold and all that, but that was a big time at bat for Hector. Like that was he went right after him. The splitter was just working, and Judge Judge had no chance. Like, that was a really impressive moment. One of the more impressive moments in the Hector Neris era. Is that fair to say?
0: Oh, I love it. I love it. Anytime we can talk <laughs> about impressive Hector Neris uh, moments. I mean, yeah. Here's the thing is that he's so far and away their only good right-handed option out of the bullpen that, like, but like you you're, you're going that that's why that's why I never agreed with with using him in game 2 yesterday because you know sure it, it could be a tie game in the 7th and uh you would like to go to Hector Neris, but Again, that takes him out of out of tonight's game, where you actually totally. have a lead. Like, and that, and that's that's why I just didn't like the idea of using him there. You know, it's a, it's a it's a tie game. I understand it's only seven innings. I understand you have to take uh, wins when you can try to get them. And you know, it's a little surprising that the the, the Phillies were able to be ahead in in the game tonight. Um, but that's why you don't use him last night. That's why you you save him for tonight. You had to get them, you had to use Hector Neris for four outs. And if you use him in game two yesterday, the tie ball game, then you don't you don't get the chance to use him and and Hector, you know, he is he, Hector Naris is good and he's good. He's just good, you know, and that's splitter It's a good
1: pitcher. man. And, he's just a good pitcher.
0: A lot of people a lot of people talk about this might seem like a pretty rash comparison, but a lot of people talk about Mariana Rivera dominating with one pitch. <laughs> is it fair to say that Hector Naris is the new Mariana Rivera?
1: How am I supposed to respond to that? Uh, all right, let, let, I can't. Yeah, all right. I'm gonna leave. Yeah, I'm gonna leave that real quick. Shout out to Emily who just walked me down a beer, open and ready to go. So, but, uh,
0: so, so I have some. Yes, some, and listen, Emily, I love you. And, you what were you gonna say? Uh, I never listen to the. I never lie to the Iops listeners. I listen to the iHops listeners.
1: We all know that.
0: I've only had White Claw this week.
1: Um, Oh, Jack!
0: I know it's it's one of the. Look,
1: you're not. I'm. There will be people who will, especially because of you know what you've put out there before. This this will come back on you, but. Who are you talking to? I mean, what's my last name? I won't get on you for this. I, I support all seltzer love anywhere all the time. So,
0: and that's exactly right. Uh, I just love seltzer so much that I decided to
1: <laughs> cut that audio, as we would say on radio.
0: <laughs> no, so, so I haven't really had much beer this week. Um, I've been, I've been mixing in more, uh, more seltzers, uh, mostly because of my, my love of the Iowa's podcast and seltzer myself. But, you know, uh, it, not not don't feel too heavy after drinking uh drinking some hard seltzer so <laughs> i have been watching the phillies this week with uh, with a couple hard seltzers and and i think that's fine um i will get back to
1: especially the... in summertime like it, it is it's refreshing and like you said it's lighter i think that's very fair i i i ain't coming for you the more seltzer the better I want everyone to love seltzer, as well, far as I'm concerned.
0: Well, I uh, I just admitted to everyone out there I watched the Phillies this this week um, with some with some seltzers. So um, if that is skewing my way of thinking, uh, blame it on the seltzer and don't blame it on uh, my irrational <laughs> irrational belief in everyone on this Phillies roster.
1: Blame blame seltzer for nothing. All right, let's uh, let's let's go back and we'll we'll do a little chronological stuff. We already agreed that that the first game in the series didn't happen wait hold on hold on
0: before we go too far back did you like the, <laughs> yes. before before we go too far back did did yes. you think the did you think that Luke Voigt fall was out
1: yeah oh my god did i of course i did
0: yeah dude i thought it was, it was like my, four rows deep
1: yeah my heart stopped <laughs> yeah. yeah especially yeah. cuz it's Luke Voigt. and literally we would have won the game yesterday if it weren't for Luke Voigt and the one bad pitch nola threw but we'll get back to that. Le- Real quick, we're we're going to act like, I'm, I don't know what I'm saying, not act like. That game didn't happen, but I think the I-OPS listeners would like, like to know what you he- thought of Jake Arrieta. Had he pitched in a game in New York on Monday night, if that had happened, what do you think Jake Arrieta would have looked like?
0: Well, again, uh this is only if it did happen, but... As we all know, it's called commitment.
1: Monday... It's called commitment, right here, folks. This is commitment.
0: Monday night did not happen, but I will say, had he have thrown the fourth through <laughs> the fourth through sixth, I inning...
1: almost just had beer go through my nose right there.
0: <laughs> the fourth through sixth inning were the best I theoretically would have ever felt about Jake Arrieta. <laughs> <laughs> I uh I've pretty much hated every single Jake Arietta experience of my life as as a Phillies fan, outside of like honestly, like the Jake Arietta experience has been the Bob Nightingale tweet of the Phillies are closest. <laughs> <laughs> the Phillies are closest signing Jake Carrietta. Me being like excited about it, and then two years of freaking torture, and how much I hate them, and throwing my teammates under <laughs> the bus, and that one Pirate start in 2018 where That's I was what like, I was
1: gonna say." I was so happy you said that because I, I my one counter to this was the Pirate start and and the Boston game. But particularly that pirate start was the only time in a Phillies uniform that he looked anything like the guy who they signed twenty fifteen, Jake Arrieta.
0: Uh yeah. And like he's he's our he's pretty much on my babbin list, you know, of of guys that I hate that are on my team that play here and unfortunately make a lot of money. He's not
1: likable, Jack. I'll say that. He's not likable.
0: Now with that being said, his theoretical start on Monday night uh started off horribly i mean the first like like like
1: literally yeah you can't start off worse You're oh yeah well
0: dj Lemayhu and should I, do you want do you want to take right off the bat or should i save it for later
1: is it that any of the 30 fan bases in major league baseball should pray that their team had dj Lemayhu on him because he is a very good baseball player who is super annoying to play against every time you play him is that to take
0: uh, it is DJ LeMahieu related, but it's not that take.
1: Okay, give me your give me your take because that's my take.
0: Okay. okay, well, DJ LeMahieu is what Yankees fans think Derek Jeter was.
1: <laughs> oh, better take. That was a better take.
0: What a take? I, I hate DJ Le- like, a take. like 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 DJ LeMahieu. About, I
1: mean, look, that at bat he had against Neris tonight was like like Neris had two splitters in that at bat. That was like no one on the planet fouls off and. Uh, uh, five guys on the planet, of, and DJ LeMahieu found a way to foul off, and and then work work bingle. Like I, I just anyway keep going.
0: Well, I mean that you know my guy Theo Epstein, that fraud, uh, decided he, <laughs> he wasn't good enough for the Cubs. Uh, but isn't isn't the worst thing about DJ LeMahieu is that he's like a little like slap hitter to the right side, like he is like <laughs> totally. I
1: feel <laughs> like I feel like ninety seven percent of DJ LeMahieu hits are to the opposite field.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and he just he just he just wears out everyone he faces. DJ Lemayhu, he's the worst. But um, with that being said, I'll t- I'll take him. Um, but yeah, so so the first three innings of Arietta's fake start on Monday night that doesn't count was like awful because he kept missing middle middle. Like he kept just leaking over the middle of the plate, and like he just didn't really know where the ball was going, and he would try to start a ball. Outside corner, it would just end up right over the middle of the plate, and you know, like Gio Rochella just was <laughs> squaring it up. Um, and I mean, Judge hit the ball down the line that Segura should have had. Um, should
1: have had. He should have had it.
0: Well, it didn't happen, but uh,
1: I, I know, I know. If if that game had happened, he should have had it, and it would have been two to one in that theoretical game, which you know, mentality wise is, is a different thing. Not that you know, it would have mattered if I don't know, say, Deolis Garrett came into the game later, but. know that shouldn't have been around that's all i'm saying
0: correct and um yeah so then but then after that i mean it it turned into legit darts at at 94 and and it it, and movement
1: and like the ball was moving it was like that's when it feels like when arietta's on like it really he is one of those guys who you could just see the ball dancing and it felt like it was dancing there
0: it was dancing, and he he finally looked comfortable. It looked like he was finally just letting loose, and you know it makes sense. I mean that was his first start since August of last year. It literally, it's crazy. It'd been it'd been a calendar year since the last time that Jake toe toe the rubber, and and he's coming off of a bone spur surgery. It was his first time really really back on the mound, and the guy the guy that we theoretically saw in the last three innings was a guy that like can can actually help this ball club do i think do i trust him no i don't trust him uh, am i am i trying to get people's hopes up about Jake areada no i'm not um i would never want to ever leave any lead anyone down that path ever but uh, you know there's there's positives they to, to take away from and i thought he was really finishing over his front side and i just thought the ball was i mean now, now james i don't know if you noticed or if Maybe the whole baseball world knows, but he struck out four straight guys, and he even <laughs> attempted—he attempted to miss some bats, which I wasn't sure that Jake Arrieta knew how to do. Man. But he did it, and he—he missed—he missed some bats there late in the game, and like I just. I'm, I'm hoping and I'm praying that it maybe unlocks something and maybe we can get an ERA in the freaking threes from Jake Arrieta. I mean, that would be glorious. Um, but, you know, there, I think there's more signs of hope than, than not after his last three innings. And hopefully that can kind of jumpstart him and, and get him moving in the right direction.
1: Yeah, man, it felt like uh, you know coming into the season we kind of joked. We all knew Velasquez was the the starter that we felt the least confidence in, or at least most of us. But um, it definitely was one of those things where we kind of joked, be like, uh, Arietta or Velasquez? They both think I feel a lot more confident in Jake Arietta than I do in Vince Velasquez. I mean, there's no question now. Arietta looked really solid, man. Like he settled in, and I agree. I'm not trusting him at all. I'm just not. But I was impressed with what I saw, especially considering, like you said, how long it's been since he's thrown a pitch in a Major League Baseball game and the fact that it was in New York against a really good lineup, you know? So I'm I'm super, super, super cautiously optimistic. All right. Now, I think, quickly, you're welcome to the audience. We will actually talk about things that actually happen instead of this weird hypothetical world that we were living in let's move Correct. on to the double header jack <laughs> that actually do we, happened uh do can we we have pretend to pretend the second game didn't happen
0: i mean i <laughs> right. i wish i wish the first game didn't happen i mean i mean obviously I, I
1: well here's the thing if the first game didn't happen the way it did the second game didn't have to happen the way it did so let's start with the first one um let's start at the top with wheeler uh, you know i Started out a little rough, settled in, ended up giving him a, a quality start for all intents and purposes. What did you think of what you saw from Wheeler? Because I know after that first start, you know, we were positive about it. But you you did kind of point out that there, if it weren't the Marlins, maybe it would not have been quite as impressive a start. And I think we saw some of that against the Yankees early on. What do you think of Wheeler?
0: Yeah, I mean uh, – yeah. I actually I I was I'm way more positive about Wheeler after the Yankees start than I am the Marlins start. Nice. Um, nice. yeah, because I think that I think that we see the I think that we see the path for Wheeler. Um and I I thought I thought what made him so good is he wasn't he wasn't uh I'm not going to say he was flying open uh, mechanically against against the Marlins. Like, obviously, his stuff was still really good, but I didn't think he was in the zone enough. Um, like, I thought it was uh, a pretty good fastball with decent location and then a curveball that didn't stand a chance uh, and then a pretty good sinker. Um but what I saw against the Yankees was just a lot more consistency, a lot more time spent in the zone, um, a lot more pitches in the zone. And really, I think what we're going to learn from Wheeler is that if his front side stays closed, the longer the better. Um, and I thought during I thought during the, the Yankees start, he kept that front side closed. And I think it really helped him um, with deception on his fastball, on his sinker. Um, you know, I... I I guess I, obviously we didn't watch Wheeler as close as we as we are now, but I didn't anticipate us getting a, a, a ground ball double play machine guy. Me
1: either, man. I, I did you see that? It was a stat like uh, he's like one of like three pitchers in the last three Phillies pitchers in the last thirty years who had back to back starts with with three double plays, uh, three ground ball double plays in it or something like that. Yeah, so was, well, sp- like I think that.
0: I think it was a Spader. Spader tweeted that out. Cause... I think it was,
1: and I by the way. Shout out to our boy Ryan Spader because I have a, a fun Ryan Spader stat to bring up later. So get ready for that. Nice,
0: uh, yeah. Because I think I told the- you
1: I prepared tonight, Jack. I got a lot. I got a lot going.
0: Good. Uh, the last guy I think was Padilla, um, and that was back in like '03. So uh, yeah, you you think you're getting a, a big strikeout guy in Zach Wheeler? And listen, if he wants to be a ground ball double play guy, that. They can still throw 97, 98, I'll take it. Um, but yeah, I just think I think with him it's going to be about keeping that front side closed as long as possible, then firing late. Um, and when he when he's opening up earlier, he's he, his front side's firing a little bit early, I think that's when you'll see his curveball and his slider not really being competitive pitcher pitches. But what I saw against the Yankees um, was a guy who 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 whose pitches were in the zone longer than they were against the Marlins. And he Pitched really, really. You know, if if is not at shortstop and Didi's Dee at shortstop, he has a better outing than than um what he had and he probably gets to throw a complete game instead of getting pulled um and no i don't think a complete game is really seven innings and i think mm-hmm. i think oh, seven innings is a I joke have
1: a, i have a i have a take for you later uh, i'm, uh, I'm, on I'm, the seven I'm endo-
0: sure where i'm sure where that's going um I but yeah no, for you. I, uh, I i do love uh i really like what i saw from wheeler and i think we'll as long as he keeps that front side closed as long as possible, um, I think we're going to see a, see a good pitcher here.
1: All right. So in a second, I want to get into the obvious main thing we need to talk about from the doubleheader as a whole, Girardi, the bullpen. But let's get Noel out of the way quickly because we're talking about Wheeler. Let's talk Noel and then we'll get into all the kind of more macro stuff. But I don't know about you, Jack. That's the best Aaron Noah I've seen since 2018. Like, wow. Wow, man. Like, he was so impressive, again, against a really good Yankees lineup. I mean, look, the the numbers speak for themselves, the six innings, the 12 strikeouts. But it was even better, it felt like, than, than the stats showed. And literally, I honestly feel in in really watching every single pitch of of Nola's start he made one bad pitch one bad pitch the entire time he was out there and and Luke Voigt took advantage of it and i think we all hate Luke Voigt, period but um am i am i overreacting to what we saw from Nola or is that kind of how you felt too
0: well i don't know but you and i have both seen a lot of right-handed home runs at this bank park history was that the furthest it was up
1: there. I so I Mike Stanton back when he was Mike Stanton. That's what I was it with the Marlins. Like there was a maybe it was Giancarlo time, but he hit a homer that went up into Ashburn Alley that I'll never forget. And he had another one that hit the upper like the the facade of the upper deck and felt like if the 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 deck had not been there, it would have kept going forever. And it got out in like a half a second. So, I feel like other than Mike Stanton or Giancarlo Stanton, yes, I think that Luke Voigt home run is maybe the longest, most majestic right handed home run we've seen there. It's up there.
0: Because I'm pretty sure he hit it off the scoreboard. Like, it, it hit off the scoreboard and bounced down. And I don't know. Like, I just, <laughs> I like Worth hit a homer off of Samarja that I thought was the furthest I had seen um and the Voigt homer i think was was right there with it um but I mean, yes yeah, it so- was
1: such a tank. it was one of those where like you just the moment the bat touched the ball you knew it was going forever like it was such a no doubt
0: uh but no i am yeah i, I i'm with you um it, it's my new boston start you know i'm going to i'm going to talk about the nova yeah, star versus the yankees yeah. Um, it's a now, great point. I, I don't...
1: He, uh, so, hold up. Can we just say that Aaron Nola owns the AL East? Is that just a... Uh, I mean, right? Yeah, it's, I
0: think that's a, the most fair thing you've said on this podcast. Aaron Nola, <laughs> death taxes in Aaron Nola versus the AL East. Um,
1: is it more fair than Hector Neres is Mariano Rivera? Or, excuse me, better than Mariano Rivera? What's more fair? I don't know.
0: I mean, both are one-pitch guys that dominate uh, <laughs> other teams of the AL East. So, who's to say? Um, but uh yeah nola yeah like because because i didn't want to get too excited about him until he got through the sixth you know because he, he he's been even in, in petering
1: out he's been petering out
0: right You're even right. In, even in 19 he would have a really really good four or five innings and everyone would be like oh aaron Nola's back and then he would you know crap the bed and uh probably blow a game against the braves and then be, be furious and Whatever, that happened in the sixth inning, but he he just powered right through it. Um, And, again, I mean, I think I saw the stat today. Uh, First start against the Marlins, he threw 53% fastballs um, and against the Yankees last night he threw 67%. And as I said in the last podcast, like, everything that comes come, – every everything with Aaron Nola comes back to the fastball. If he's locating the fastball, everything's fine. You know, if he, if he can put that fastball where he needs to put it and he can work his curveball and, and change it off of that, like, everything just works better for Nola. And he had his fastball location last night. He was feeling it. Uh, and you and saw – how that worked out his off speed. I actually almost, I feel like he was almost tunneling his 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 curveball and his changeup, which is kind of like next level stuff. But um, yeah, and you know, I, I just think that I think Brian Price has just made a really really big difference um, in 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 these guys, and it's it's early. And I know the bullpen looks like crap, but the starting rotation looks pretty good. I mean they haven't really blown up. You know, I thought that yeah, was really Velazquez. good.
1: Velasquez, Velasquez, the only one. Yeah. And, and
0: even, even Vela- the only I, bad start. I know. And even, and even Velasquez, and I get that it was, it, it wasn't great. He had the one bad inning. I can't wait. I, I,
1: can't, wait to, I can't wait to hear this. Go ahead. But he had he
0: had the one bad inning, and then he calmed down, and 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 but I he think had the one
1: good inning. The first inning was good, and then he had the bad inning, and then he like pseudo calmed down. But
0: he he, he did, mm, but I, I still think I think it was a mistake. Felt like, felt like the old Vinny.
1: Felt like the old. I
0: understand. I understand. I understand. I got it. I got it. But I'm just saying. I would have put him back out there, and not gone to the pen that early. But whatever, that's the Marlins game a, a decade ago. It was it was at least ten years ago, right? Um, but I, I just I think that you know Price has kind of got them back to where they need to go. And actually, in in watching Wheeler yesterday, um, I thought I thought Price had a pretty big influence on him as well. Um, so I've been really, really impressed with what he's gotten out of um, out of this out of this starting rotation so far. You saw with Arietta in his theoretical start on on Monday night, and you saw it with Nola, you saw it with Nola yesterday. Um, you know, just 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 really, really dominant stuff. And I guess we'll get into it, but I, I just I didn't hate I didn't hate the idea of pulling there. I know? didn't either. I, I, honestly, look, they I, didn't
1: play for a week, man. Yeah. Like they didn't play for a week. And like you mentioned before, he got through the six, but like Nola has been kind of petering out fifth, six, around that range where he's gotten into that sort of pitch range and getting through the lineup another time. Like, And look, let's be real. like We're all just looking at Girardi in a, a microscope in Philly, and we have a tendency to really only focus on the Phillies and not everything else. But like, if you look around Major League Baseball, there have been a lot of injuries, like a lot, especially to pitchers and – it's the type of thing where I agree with the idea that Aaron Nola's health is more important than one extra inning. Now, here, if you want to complain about it, here's what I would say. And let's just get into the whole decision-making process because I, I think that's important with the whole thing. I, if you want to say that you should have let Nola come out, face Stanton, and you know see what he's got for that extra inning, I'm fine with that. And if you don't, I, I was fine with the idea to bring in Tommy Hunter. My only complaint with Girardi with the Tommy Hunter thing was I would have taken him out after three batters. I thought it was very clear he had nothing. Like, sometimes you just know. Sometimes you can just see it. And somehow he faced five batters, and it cost them runs. And if they had brought in Adam Morgan sooner, who knows? I know lefty-righty thing or whatever, but we're bringing Alvarez. But bringing a better pitcher, I, I I didn't hate— I think that Girardi is right to almost— Have to trust a guy like Tommy Hunter in that spot, especially as we know, and we'll get to the narrowest thing in a sec, but I have no problem with if Hector Neres warmed up and even if he only threw one pitch, I get not using him in that second game, like we talked about. He wouldn't be there today, but my issue with Girardi with that Hunter thing was that it was clear. Tommy Hunter didn't have it, and he has to face three batters, but... I would not have let those act like maybe they so they probably so would have given up at least around like who knows. But I just felt like Hunter had nothing there. And that's what bothered me about that decision making process. Not putting Tommy her in the first place.
0: Yeah. And, and I think that's fair. Uh, but at the same time, if I remember correctly, there was a righty up. Um and Adam Morgan traditionally hasn't been great. Against I, I would have gone
1: Alvarez. I would have gone. I feel like I just trust Alvarez to get out. It, it, it righties, lefties, whatever. Like, I think you and I agree. I, it, we've said it before. I, I don't think there's any question, at least in the minds of the IOS podcast, that Hector Neris and Jose Alvarez are, and then it's like a a, a a gap. Like, it's Hector Neris, it's Jose Alvarez, and then there is a gap between those guys and the next best pitcher, which is probably Adam Morgan. Like, I would have just gone with my best guy there if I can't use Neris. Like, I don't know. I, and regardless, I'm not going to kill him for the Hunter move. But I didn't you feel, was it, am I crazy to say that that after those first three batters, really after two, but after those first three batters, you knew Tommy Hunter wasn't getting outs? <laughs> well,
0: I mean, I could have said uh, after his jog in from the bullpen. I mean, isn't he like the modern day Todd Coffee? I mean, he's just. I
1: know, dude. It's It's. <laughs> It is he's so uncompelling as a, as a, a quote unquote athlete. Like it's yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I
0: try to make the argument that pitchers are. He's athletes like a sad
1: hard. version of David Wells, <laughs> and David Wells got pretty sad at times.
0: So. I mean, the fact that that, that Tommy Hunter's like our. I mean, I'm I'm putting like, one of I'm the putting, four
1: best. One of the four guys. Like again, like Jack. Are, are there are there any other guys on this team other than Hector Neris, Adam Morgan, Jose Alvarez, and Tommy Hunter have got a single big out for this team? Like no, like. Um, and even those guys' big outs is in quotes because the Phillies have not had a, a true big out in in a while. But I mean, you know what I mean.
0: I mean, i, I bite your tongue. Pavetta held the lead tonight, and you know that. <laughs> and I would just like you to please take back that last sentence and put Nick Pavetta I, ahead I, of Tommy I, Hunter I on your— I was just going to wait
1: and spring it on you, but I, I just want to <laughs> let the listeners know that I have a— and a, we're not getting to it now. This is like a tease type of thing. Not that anyone's leaving anyway, but I have a— very very important nick Pavetta question to ask jack we'll get to that later which is one of the two most important things that we'll get to in this podcast because i put a poll out and we have to settle something for the our guy but we'll get to that let's get back to what we were talking about so as
0: you were saying um Actually, I'm just so excited for the other stuff that I forgot. But uh, I know, I know, I know. I no, we're about uh, no that, I just
1: the, the Tommy Hunter, the decision there. Yeah, then, you know.
0: So, so I'm cool with. So with Nola, honestly, like I actually would have considered pulling him after the the fifth. I thought he kind of sh- started uh, leaking some oil there a little bit, um, and I thought the the velo was coming down a little bit. And honestly, I just I was getting terrified of sixth inning Nola. Um, so if I'm using the percentages there, I'll take my shots, um, and, and, just try to hope to, to get some outs from the bullpen. Hunter is fine that in, in that regard. Um, but then once you kind of see he's 91, uh, versus 94, he was in his last outing. And especially since Girardi knows that they've been off for a week and they hadn't really been able to get off a mound. And, um, they like even... Even Pavetta tonight was, like, 93 a couple of times. And it just seems like a lot of their velocities are down. It was nice to see Nolo's at up to 95 last night. Um, but it, it does seem like their velocities are down a little bit. But, yeah, I, I, you know, bringing in Tommy Hunter isn't the worst thing in the world. It's just that, you know, the weird part about him is that he's actually better against lefties and righties. And it, it seemed like Girardi kind of threw that all out the window and just said, no, you're a righty. You should be able to get righties out, even though, <laughs> even though uh, a cutter. That's not what he
1: does as well, yeah. Right.
0: Well, even a cutter to righties, like if it keeps falling away, like they can just poke it into right field for a single and just kind of uh, it, it's death by a thousand paper cuts. But and, I mean, th- that didn't happen. They just squared him up for five straight batters. Um, but yeah, I, I was fine with it, and and honestly, like, and this goes back to my thing about Gabe. I didn't really hate a lot of the decisions that Gabe made. You know, I think on paper a lot of them made sense, um, and that's how I feel about Girardi. You know, and, and Hector Neris. You know, Ike Ike brought up an interesting point today. Um, he because I was like, it was the right decision to to not um, pitch Naris in Game Two, and obviously it worked out tonight that they were able to use him. But like, if, if he if he warmed up and then they and he doesn't have to go in the game, would he have used him in Game Two? You know, like. I think he, I I, he would. It's
1: a fascinating question, actually. It's a yeah, really it's a, it's a good qu- question.
0: Because C- he only did, th- obviously, we know he only threw one pitch, and the argument is, well, he didn't really throw one pitch because he was in the bullpen um, pitching before that. But if he doesn't get in, he still threw those pitches in the bullpen. Are you still yeah, using it in totally. game two? Yeah,
1: totally. And one, especially with Neris, we've had, like, this was it the, remember the, the Neris warming up thing? Like, this is not the first time that, that Neris warming up vigorously or whatever has meant that he couldn't pitch when we hoped he would remember. So maybe like the, I don't know, maybe there's something to Hector Neris. Maybe he, like all guys are different. All these arms, their, their habits, their routines, maybe Neris is one of those guys where if he warms up, you know, it's kind of like he's, he's shot after that.
0: Well, and, and the one thing is, is that a lot of people had been saying that they want, um, Defined roles and they want to be told what's going to happen and they want to have a, a plan heading into the game. And you know, uh, Girardi in the in the pregame show on the the manager show on on WIP, he said, you know, I'm I'm only going to use these guys once. I'm not pitching them in both ends of the doubleheader. I'm only using them in one of the games. So maybe he told Hector before the game, I'm only using you here, and it kind of uh, gets into his mindset and says like, I he only needs me here. And you know, we we talked a lot about that kind of mindset with Gabe where it was like, you know, um, he would get a big out or a reliever come in and get a big out. And then he put him right back out there and it wouldn't go as well. Um, Maybe it was just kind of a mindset thing, you know, getting into his head that we're only using you for one game and, uh, you know, kind of take the rest of the day off. So, you know, maybe he just wanted to stay consistent with his guy and not kind of surprise him. So, you know, the thing that sucks is that it's 60 games. And if it's 162, this is not a big deal at all. You know, you don't want to burn pitchers, but the the one, the one, I don't, I wouldn't say it's a criticism because I think it's smart. But the one criticism you could have of Girardi is that he's treating this sixty-game season as it's a one sixty-two, and it's not. It's it's sixty games. You're trying to. You're trying to fight for a playoff spot, you know. You you pulled Arrieta on Monday when he was finally starting to find his groove, and I understand he hadn't pitched in a year, and I understand that you're trying to keep these guys healthy. Nola last night he could have gone back out there for the seventh. Wheeler the same thing that the um, in in game one, Um, and you know maybe he's being too protective of those guys in a sixty game season, and he's treating it too much like a one sixty two. That's a that's definitely a, a pretty valid concern, but again. You know, it's not, I want the Phillies to make a playoff, to make the playoffs and and do some things here, but it's not, it's not the end of the world. I already think of the seasons a sham anyway. No,
1: dude, Uh, Jack, you just hit on it. Like it is, it is so true. And look, if Girardi, like we, you know, there've been so many like discussions and, and arguments about like player safety, especially in the the COVID world we're living in and seven, like, Joe Girardi's actually, like, putting these guys' health first and 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 getting criticized for it. Like, that's, you know, when you just step back and look at it from that view, you know, kind of that that thousand-foot view and say, like, he's saying, all right, I'm not risking injury. I'm not risking long-term stuff with these guys. Like, and, and kind of getting killed for it. It's a great point, especially in a season that is a sham of a season. It is what it is. Like, I want the Phillies to win it just because it's baseball and I want it. But like come on man they're making the schedule up as they go along you know there's been teams that have had to sit out for a week we had 20 percent of the teams just postponed last weekend not even counting the rain delays like it's it's what it is it's 50 something games for a fair amount of teams like it's a joke but I, like i'm with you jack i i think that's a really good point and i don't but at the same time like you also in the moment want to compete want to win and and you want to see a sense of urgency from the team that feels like we understand that each of these games is amplified and means much more, and we need to treat them as such. So it's a really weird balance, especially as a fan to to kind of weigh. You know, it's really I, I've struggled with it myself, and I think that the uh, you know you've seen examples where it's like. Like, whether it's Ramon Rosso in the first game, 3-1, whether it's Julius Guerra, 3-1 in those games, where it's like spots where in a normal 162, you'd say, all right, like, I understand that this is a game we're still in, but, like, my guy needs work, or this guy, I need to know what I have in this guy, or this or that, and I'm going to work, and you have that leeway of saying, all right, I'm going to learn what I have here, and maybe I take the hit for it, or maybe I'm going to give this game away a little bit because this guy I'm going to save, and I can use him in in a more important game or whatever, That's tough. That's like classic baseball managing, but... With this few games, that it is, it, it's a real paradox, Jack. It really is.
0: Now, does that still count for Austin Davis? or Are we good there? Like, we don't have to learn yeah. anything <laughs> else about Austin Davis. We know he stinks. We know that he's a waste of time. We know it's a joke he, that he should gets... not
1: be on a roster. I mean, he, how the freak should not be on a roster? How,
0: how do he they let that guy wear cool. number fifty-four? Like, how do they let that guy wear Lidge's Black- number? How
1: did they get let that guy put a uniform on? How man? do they, like... how
0: do they give him a key card? How does he even Dude. get in the building?
1: I mean the stats, and Bob Wankel at Crossing Broad uh, tweeted them out, and I'll pull them up as we're talking. But like Austin Davis's stats over the you know 2019 to 2020 is abominable. Like this guy should not be pitching. Here we go. Austin Davis, I mean, 2019 it- to 2020, 22 innings, 28 hits, 19 earned runs, a seven 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 ERA, and allowing a nine eighty eight OPS against. Like. I mean,
0: guys are hitting like Mike Jack, Trout. Also. Jack
1: Fritz might be able to do better than that.
0: I don't, I'm, probably, but like guys, no. guys are guys <laughs> are legitimately. They're like they're almost putting up Trout level yeah. numbers off every of every hitter is Austin Mike days. Trout against him. Yeah, like I mean, why is he here? Disaster. Why
1: like what what Garrett Clevenger, Connor Brogdon, like oh, like or like Seabold, Like what are we doing? Like what what are these? guys here for like why do you even have them on the roster like why and i understand that you don't want to trust young guys or whatever, but like austin davis sucks like he's not a major league pitcher there is zero reason to have him on a roster he just, he shouldn't be on any roster much less the phillies
0: well then the, there's there's no if 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 Connor brogdon and damon jones and uh Maybe not Seabold, maybe not Clevenger. If, See, yeah, not Seabold, bro.
1: Why not Clevenger though? Like, well, because better I, left. I mean, he's better than Austin Davis, he, right? Is
0: he? He, he is. He, he's better than Austin Davis. I understand if they maybe want to work on some control stuff with him. I don't know if you can trust putting him in the game just yet. Um, but like, if 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 Damon Jones and Connor Brogdon, especially Connor Brogdon, aren't up here by by Monday. Or whatever at the, at the latest, like it's it's a it's a disaster. Like he should be coming up here with Spencer Howard on Sunday to make his first start, or not make his first start, but be in that bullpen because like and 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 what bothers me is like Ramon Rosso obviously didn't do well in his first game, but like can we can we get him back out there? I mean, why yeah, why I've is seen he in him
1: again? Literally, why can't, not why can't he again.
0: get in an eleven three ball game? Like, why are we wasting our time with Austin Davis? It's a great what, point. Ramon great Rosso point. should. Theoretically, be one of your first guys out of the bullpen. That's well,
1: that's the spot you Ramon Rosso's major league debut should not have been in a tight three to one game in the opener of the season, it should have been in an 11 3 game where you ask him to come in and get a few outs for you and sit, you know, it like that's that's if you're gonna have an issue with Girardi, and I I agree with you, one issue is the long the ways coaching managing longevity versus you know, short season. But in terms of the bullpen decisions, it's those type of decisions, and and I get it. He doesn't know the the guys as well. He's still figuring out what he has. But I feel like I, we've seen already a couple times. Austin, we just saw Austin Davis Diols Guerra in New York, and and that one Rosso, where it's just like it's the wrong guy in the wrong spot.
0: Well, and I I certainly know that Trevor Kelly has no idea where the ball is going. Like, why is he even warming up tonight? Like, like, I think we I think we know enough about about uh, Trevor Kelly. I don't know. I feel like I feel like us as Phillies fans know <laughs> what we're getting out of these bullpen pieces better than maybe the manager, which is kind of scary. But um, yeah, you know, you, you trusted Ramon Rosso so much in Game One. I think it's ridiculous that you can't get him back out there again just to see what you have because he did look so good in in summer camp.
1: All right, um, quickly. Thoughts on Eflin, and then we got to talk about the lineup, the offense. A lot to get to quickly. Your thoughts on on Eflin, just to, to kind of get done with the starting
0: pitch. Yeah, man, I love Eflin. I really do. I really like Zach Eflin a lot. Um, I, I he threw a pitch tonight to Stanton. He threw a two seamer to strike him out, and I, I swear I've never seen a Zach Eflin two seamer move that much. You know, it, it literally it broke. all the way across the plate, you know? And I always thought that the Zach Eflin two-seamer was a nice pitch, but it didn't really, you know, break enough for me. Um, But, yeah, I I just really like watching Zach Eflin pitch. And, you know, for that performance uh, after he had been hurt – well, not hurt, I guess he had a little back problem and hadn't really pitched in a little bit. But for him to come out and do that against that Yankees team, I thought it was really impressive. And, you know, uh, it just seems like he has such a good – feel for at least three of his pitches like i think he has a good feel i i still think his curveball is kind of kind of um not great you know it kind of spins sometimes it doesn't exactly have depth to it but it's a pretty good get me over pitch i think the two seamer works two seam sinker pitch works um and then i really like the change up um so the slider uh, the slider is a good pitch. the slider and curveball are, can are both fine i think they're fine pitches but he has a really, really good ability to get to the outside corner against against right-handed hitters that you don't see a lot. Um, you know, I think he's just a good 4-5 option. You know, I think he's a, he, he could be better than a 4-5, but I think as a 4-5, I feel really good about Zach Eflin. I feel like I'm going to get a consistent performance. The one thing you have to worry about is, you know, it seems like he gets hurt a good amount or it seems like he gets tired. You know, it always seems like there's a, a little something off with him to where you can't fully trust him. But when he's out there, you know, what I saw tonight was was just really consistent, good stuff. Like, I feel like Zach Aflin can go out there and give me six innings less than three runs. Two out of three starts, and I'll take that from Zach Eflin. So um, I think he tunnels really well. I've always thought he'd really well, and I thought tonight was just another example of that, just dotting the outside corner with three pitches that he can go to whenever he wants. So really, really impressed Zach Eflin, and um, I just hope he can stay healthy because I think he can really help this team.
1: All right, let's segue to the lineup. Do you want to start with the bad or the good? It's your choice.
0: Uh, always start with the bad. Yeah, I agree.
1: All right, uh, so I'm going to give you uh, a threesome, and I want you to rank for me how concerned you are about them, offensively, obviously speaking. Reese Hoskins, Andrew McCutcheon, Scott Kingery.
0: Oh, you didn't even add, you didn't even add Gene Segura in there.
1: <laughs> oh, man, shows, shows how sad yeah. I am. Is Alec Boehm ready yet, yeah. or what's happening there?
0: Um, yeah, so Kutch not worried. I know a lot of people are worried. I'm not, you know, I think he's such a professional. I think he will figure it out. I thought we saw some it's ti- signs.
1: It's a timing thing and all yeah, that. You know, just kinda get, yeah.
0: I thought we saw signs of life tonight. Um, and I think he just has to trust his knee. You know, people have saying he, he, he doesn't look exactly fluid out there, but I thought the, the double, he looked like he was moving pretty well. So maybe that kind of much like Arietta kind of gets him going a little bit. And I just think that, I think, I think, things will come around for Andrew McCutcheon. I think in 162, we'd feel fine about him. Um, so not worried yet on Andrew McCutcheon. actually thought he smoked a couple of balls the other night, which was good to see, just right at guys. So um, I'm not worried about Andrew McCutcheon. I think he'll be fine. Uh, Hoskins just looks like he's just caught in between everything. You know, in, in fastball counts, he's not catching up. You know, he hasn't really squared up a fastball. Um, and it looks like when his foot's like when he's getting his foot down a fastball's already by him pretty much because he's almost like sitting on off-speed pitches um now it's it's nice that he's walking a lot and that helps and whatnot but like i don't know how much longer i can take the the fastball down the middle that he's just laid on or can't make consistent hard contact on um so yeah i i'm worried about reese just because i I just think it's all timing with him, and I just think he's in between right now. He doesn't really know when, if he wants to unload on a ball, or maybe that's not right where he needs it, and he can try to work a walk. I think he's gotten a little bit too obsessed with trying to work a walk. So, um, I I'm frustrated. I'm at like a a panic meter of like seven on Reese. Um, and and the walks are great but he's just gotta start driving the baseball um you know it, hopefully they can get him back to the four spot if he can do that and the lineup just makes more sense but for the time being like i'm just leaving him in the two and hopefully he gets on base for for bryce and jt like at work tonight um and kingery again he just looks lost you know he, he's gotta get he's gotta get back to just trying to get some hits rather than trying to launch everything he looks lost and and it sucks because i i want kingery to be great i really do i want i want scott kingery to be awesome but he's just brutal at the plate like straight up brutal just i don't have i have zilch confidence in in him right now i still think Kutch will come through i still think reese can work work good at bat. i i just i think kingery is going to get to a one-two count and strike out or make weak contact so um, yeah, I, I am at like an eight or nine on Scott. It's, it's not a great place to be at. I hope he can figure it out, but, uh, you know, this whole idea that he's going to be this unbelievable play at second, uh, unbelievable hitter because he's locked in at second base clearly isn't the case. And no. it's, it's very, very worrisome. Um, and I don't know how much longer you can keep playing him in a 60 game season.
1: Yeah. And I think, that can be the case for for a few people especially when we'll get to it um there are some guys who are not playing as much who are absolutely producing more um but i agree with you i'm i'm just as worried look reese is clearly a much better uh at bat right now than than kingery is but At least with Kingery, like you can potentially say, all right, he's still working his way back from from the COVID thing, and you know, kind of got a late start with things, and maybe he's just not back to where he needs to be physically yet. I mean, at least I can paint that world. Hoskins just looks broken, man, and and it's not just these games. Obviously, it's the entire half of of second half of last season where he was among the worst everyday players in the entire sport. And I agree that the ability to work a walk, the the ability to, you know, he does clearly have great awareness of the strike zone and the ability to recognize pitches and thus up and stuff. But, man, it feels like he should be the ninth hitter right now. Like, turn the lineup over. he will get on base for you. Like, I, I just – I have zero faith in him to do anything. I want him to walk. He's the kid in Little League where you're like, walk's as good as a hit. Don't swing the bat. Because I have no faith in him to, to do anything with the bat, and that's almost scarier than Kingery, in a way at least, considering what we saw the second half of last season. Joe Giglio had a great tweet that I have I've thought the exact same things multiple times a season. It almost feels like he doesn't even want to swing the bat. Like It almost feels like he goes up there hoping for a walk and – I don't know, man. I'm, I'm, I'm legitimate. I came into the season concerned, and and I've seen nothing to assuage those concerns. You know what I mean?
0: Oh yeah. I mean, listen. I'm, I'm with you. Uh, it's just, I just, can't, I just don't. I can't believe it's he's hard this to bad. understand.
1: It's like, how is it? How, he hit his entire minor league career. He hit for the first year plus. He's in the majors. Like, I don't get it. It makes no sense. It's well, crazy. I'm,
0: I mean, we did see it happen with Markel Fultz. I mean, he maybe maybe you just lose well, it. Look,
1: I think a better example is Dom Brown, and Dom Brown didn't have as much major league success, but Dom Brown, someone who was one of the top prospects in baseball, hit it in the minor leagues, came up, you know, had that that magical month plus, you know, that season, and then. Just lost it. And whether it was a, a hole in his swing or whatever they were able to key in on, or he couldn't hit a certain pitch or whatever, I don't know the specifics with Dom Brown, but like I think that's a better type of example. But man.
0: Yeah, well, at least but here's the thing though.
1: It's nerve-wracking as well. But here, here's the thing I'm, I'm is that Don brown
0: But Don Brown didn't have the eye that Reese has. And I agree. What what I, agree. I what I come back to is he's not making hard contact on pitches in the zone. But at least he still is seeing the ball well out of out of the hand, mm. and it really just comes back to getting his timing back, and and maybe he gets back to thinking of right center field versus pull pull pull. I actually Please. thought, I actually Please. thought uh, in game two yesterday he hit a ball to right field that was actually semi squared up, and I was like, that's what you need, man. Yeah, he he this sing-
1: to- it was like a single to right field, and it was like, oh, that was cool.
0: He needs to he needs to get back to thinking that way. So. The the thing with Reese for me is that he can still be uh, he's still working a good a good at bat he is still walking and he still knows what a good pitch is he just has to start capitalizing on it um, I'm act- I'm more worried about Kingery because he he has never shown the same a level of eye that Reese does um, he doesn't have the same level of eye so yeah. It's it sucks, and I think you know the the Phillies right now are batting like the two stats that I think are killing them offensively, and I, they're not updated right now um, after the game. But you know, two hundred eight runners, runners in and,
1: scoring position, I'm assuming.
0: Yeah, and two hundred eight with runners in scoring position, and and yep. and Reese and McCutcheon, like their OPS combined is like yep. four hundred something, like four fifty. So um, you know, just getting no production from from one and two in their lineup. Um, it, it sucks, but yeah, it's not great. And then Segura, I know you didn't bring him up, but no, you know, I was going
1: to ask you any quick thoughts on him before we get to the game. Well,
0: like, like, like dude, just be Gene Segura, man. Hit, you know, hit 300, go the other way, try to get singles, at least try to help this team. I just feel like, I feel like instead of thinking right center field gap, he's strictly thinking left field bleachers. And it, he's kind of doing the Kingery thing where it's, let me just try to launch everything. And believe me, I understand the, I understand launch angle and I understand wanting to launch, but some guys, that is not them. And that is not Gene Segura. And I don't think it's Kingery yet. I think he could possibly get there, but until he gets back to knowing how to bear off a of baseball again, I don't think it should be him either. So, um, yeah, if, if Segura could just get back to being a right center field and thinking opposite way and Hey, Maybe take a freaking page out of D.J. LeMahieu and see what he did and be that for us. Yeah, seriously, seriously. That's the kind of guy he used to be. is that kind of hitter. I mean, track record shows. So do that. Just be be D.J. LeMahieu. Do that. Seriously.
1: No, I... (laughs) Yes. I couldn't agree more. All right, let's get to the good. And you mentioned a couple guys before, but that's not where we're starting because we need to start with... The hottest hitter on the planet. It's not Aaron Judge. Screw that. It's friend of the podcast. I think the only two time guest maybe we've ever had.
0: Well, besides Franzen. True.
1: Yes. And and I think Franski might have been on twice. But regardless, shout out to Phil Goslin. Uh, seriously though, like real quick, and before we get to, to the most important question I will ask you in this entire podcast, why is he not playing every day? Why is Girardi pinch-hitting for him for a righty-lefty matchup? Like, Phil Goslin needs to play every day. Like, write this out, man. Baseball's a game of if guys are seeing the ball like it's a beach ball every time they step up, like, put him in the freaking lineup. Like, if you want to criticize Girardi, we've been a lot of bullpen stuff. Like, criticize him for not putting Gosselin in there more.
0: Yeah, I I criticize him for not putting Goslin in more, and I can definitely criticize him for not just playing Hazley, uh, which well, is dr- drives that me too. crazy. Quinn,
1: Quinn had a good night tonight, but I mean, Hazley's batting 600 for Christ's sake.
0: Yeah, can we just maybe ride it out until 600? Yeah, um, I, I just the the one thing I'll say about Phil Goslin is that he might be a, a bigger baseball uh, legend from Westchester than me. I think I might be ready to relinquish <laughs> that's that that that's title. Could
1: have viewed it. But that is very big of yes
0: you. Yeah. shout out yeah. to me uh i was pat myself <laughs> on the back
1: <laughs> somehow somehow <laughs> it came back to
0: that. um but yeah no and it's just like it's not it's not even like it's it's bad luck <laughs> it's like sometimes when a guy's is hot it's bad luck but the, like phil Goslin's squaring up everything he's hitting and I just I I want to know when comes the conversation about building the team around him, you know, is the is the future of the Phillies uh, Bryce JT and Phil Goslin. Um and I think we're approaching that level. And I think it's ridiculous when he's not in the lineup and I understand that he has traditionally not hit right-handed hitting, but can we figure that out first, you know, just like just like Adam Absolutely. Hays. Absolutely. Give <laughs> him a chance to do it. Yeah, I mean just figure it out. And and, and like with Adam Haysley, it's like yeah, Uh, Maybe he hasn't traditionally been good against lefties, but, like, what are we doing here? I mean, he's 24 years old. I feel a hell
1: of a lot more confident with those two guys every time they step to the plate than a lot of the people who are in the lineup every day. Like, frankly, you know?
0: Phil Gosselin Gosselin is straight up turning into a—he's turning into a folk hero. I mean, guys from here, Phillies fan, uh, is on the correct side of the wentz Foles debate, and he straight up breaks. And he's the perfect combination of from here, rakes, and doesn't play that often. And, and
1: great story. And great story. Like, and from Westchester. This is the first time in six years he's been on the same team two years in a row. Like, this dude is bounced around. And he's playing for the team he rooted for growing up. And he's, like, finally crushing it. Like, it's an awesome story. Like, everyone should love this dude's story. But, like, all jokes aside, like... I'm dead serious. He needs to be in line every day. He is... This is crazy. This is not an offense that has been a juggernaut so far. Like, they had that, you know, 11-run explosion, which was nice. But, like, they have not been consistent. They've had big innings. They have not been able to consistently get hits when they need it. And all Phil Gosselin has done is get hits when they need it. Uh, it's crazy to me. But, Jack, th- this is secondary. I put up a poll on Twitter because... It seems like he's so great that he already has two nicknames. I hear a lot of Goose. I hear a lot of Barrels. So I put out a poll. It says, what is the better nickname for Phil Goslin, Barrels or Goose? 65% of respondents say Goose. Jack, before I reveal what the definitive answer is, Let's find out if you agree with what I'm about to reveal. What is the best nickname for Phil
0: Gosselin? So my my, my heart says goose. My head says barrels. And the reason why I say that it should be barrels is because, like, I grew up with two gooses who were also friends of Phil Gosselin's. And Phil Goslin from Westchester, again, I know Phil Goslin has never been nicknamed Goose. My, my friends are nicknamed Goose. He is not Goose, so I already have friends nicknamed Goose. So I don't think Phil Goslin is is personally my Goose. So I will call him Barrels.
1: Jack, thank you. This is. Uh... The, the happiest, most proudest moment that I, that I get to do the IELTS podcast with you because it is Barrels. I, to your point, it's so funny you said that because one of the things I was going to say is I have three friends whose nickname is Goose. One of them's a super close friend. Shout out to Pat. Pat's not listening. But I know Goose is like, Barrels is badass. Barrels is special. And the fact that his teammates gave him that name is that much more badass. Like, Barrels is 10,000 times a better nickname than Goose for Phil Goslin. I've never felt more confident in a Philly's opinion that I have had in my lifetime, Jack, than the fact that Barrels has to be his nickname.
0: And... You could say it was his teammates, but I'm giving full credit to Gabe Kapler because I'm pretty sure Gabe Kapler really came up with that nickname, and I feel like I
1: believe it. I mean, that's something Gabe would say. Well, he's
0: already he's already calling Donovan Solano barrels, so it seems like he throws it around very easily. (laughs) But once again, like I think this is more of a. That's amazing. Yeah, I, well, I think it's more of a uh, more evidence of trying to to erase the Gabe Kapler era from our minds. and I'm not gonna let barrels be the next victim of this. Um,
1: well, well, hold <laughs> up. The funniest thing is is no joke, it will not be erased because every single thing you tweet, I'm talking about the royal you, me, you, whatever, that is, I didn't like that bullpen decision or, or that didn't work out is gabe kapler would have been killed for it can you believe if that was gabe kapler imagine if that was gabe so no one is forgetting like people are reminding everybody about it so i hope everyone remembers
0: i hope everyone remembers that it's not the manager i mean I, i i don't have to do the rant again but have we have we all realized that after the last week
1: oh man all right um I'm really happy we decided this. Shout out to friend of the show Barrel's Goslin who we will have to get back on again soon cuz he to keeps that. crushing it. Just uh, play him, selfish, just play him selfishly.
0: Yeah, I hope he does keep crushing it cuz I <laughs> would love to keep talking to Phil cuz I, yeah, <laughs> I think too. it's I think it's the coolest thing in the world. And it uh, too. so so honestly like though you, you bring up starting him but it's tough because it's tough because
1: no I do we'll you like, like yeah, well, but...
0: well, cuz Kingery you you kind of just hope figures it out. And you like, what do you do? You do you just,
1: I, dude, I need to win games. I would put Segura at second. I would start Goslin at third or you know what? I, I would DH Goslin. Like I trust. I mean, look, Jay Bruce is, is good against right-handed pitching. I get it. But man, like, I just don't know how we know baseball is a game of, of, of streaks and, and being locked in and, Phil Glaston's just locked in, man. It just feels silly to not have him in the lineup. So, I don't know. I understand that it's not an easy fix, especially with, you know, young guys you want to believe in and all that. But, man, I don't know how much more, again, to the point of these games matter. <laughs> like, there is no intensity being shown. Like, I don't know. I don't know. So, let's uh, let's talk about some more good. Um JT Romito. A little contract push. I mentioned before a uh, a Ryan Spader stat, Asa Spader. Uh he tweeted out tonight. JT Romito is batting uh 303 with a 358 OBP and a 630 slugging percentage with 39 runs, 16 doubles, two triples, 16 homers, and 45 OBI, RBI over his last 54 games played that's pretty damn impressive Jack like that's and again it's only 54 games it's a third of a normal season but that's high level catcher type stuff right there uh and obviously the the throw like Brett Gardner I can't believe he threw out Brick Gardner Brett Gardner had such a gigantic jump uh, it was unbelievable um jt and look bryce has been really good too like the average obviously it's been like you know hit or miss a little bit but i mean he's got like a 998 ops or something like that um just shout out to to really i mean it just shows sign jt i mean these two guys are the future there's no question
0: yeah and and jt is the kind of guy that you keep around forever um and yeah bryce uh, highest ex ofvilo in baseball which is good to see you know I tweeted I tweeted that out the other day and of course people were like Ooh, well why isn't it translating into hits man it's like well that's the hope that if you keep hitting the ball hard it will <laughs> so let's learn a little bit you know this is not a pointless stat whatever um but yeah and it's really and, not
1: no it is really not
0: and uh and you know obviously what you just said about JT is all right you know the stats are there you know for a catcher his his offensive numbers are ridiculous. And honestly, like, why, that, why are you ever running on JT Romito? Like, I just – first off, steals are already going away from baseball. Like, what is making teams be like, you know what, let's try it. I I don't understand how his how is, is, uh, throwout rate is only, like, 54%. It ha- I'm it pretty like sure – like I can't re- – yeah, it yeah. feels like he gets everybody. It's yeah. 80% in my opinion, and I, I think that the stats are wrong. Um, but, you know, Wheeler – Wheeler after the game yesterday said that part of the reason he signed here was JT Realmuto, and if you have Zach Wheeler signing here, and I know they still paid him the money and whatnot, you have Bryce Harper who has openly said he's his favorite player in baseball, and I think part of the reason he signed here was because of JT, and you just let that guy walk. It's just, it's it's great. It's, it's asinine. I mean, yeah. it's asinine. Yeah, and I just don't think they're gonna let it happen. Like
1: to JT yeah. Romito is. Significantly more valuable to the Philadelphia Phillies for a multitude of reasons than he is to any other team in baseball. Period. End of story. That's it. And I
0: do. I just. I love the people that are that are outside the stadium. You know, the shout out to the pandemic crew. It's amazing. Um, amazing. and you the know fact that Aaron
1: Boone can play like all that stuff is just amazing. Like oh, it's awesome. Boone
0: is Boone is such a softy. Like what a yes. I mean, I like him. He just seems like such a phony. Like, just, just manage, man. Like, get in there and manage. It, it just seems like a lot of extra phoniness to, to Aaron Boone complaining about the air. Guys like, are
1: savages, Jack. They're savages. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Like, like, uh, you know, just, just play baseball. It, they're just fans outside the stadium. You'll be okay. There's no fans in the stadium anyway. You go to Oakland, they do that all game long. It's not that close to where it's, you know, really affecting the game. Like, why don't you make your guys play better, you know, rather than than worrying about the fans outside the stadium. Like, let's not be such a baby Aaron Boone. Like, don't act like a little Mickey Mouse manager. This is the big leagues. You've been around the big leagues for a long time. You've been around Philadelphia for a long time. Your dad's Bob Boone. You know how great the fans are here you know that they're gonna show up and they're gonna try to annoy you listen like i first off if that was at yankee stadium you would be saying how great they were and it's the fact that it happened in all, our ballpark shows how much of a baby you are and the fact that you come out and you have to complain to the umpires about it what are the umpires gonna do walk out of the stadium and go up there and tell them to be quiet <laughs> how about no like it, there's not forty-five thousand people at a ballpark there is 10 people outside of a stadium with an air horn. If your guys can't focus out of that, then they shouldn't be in the big leagues. Like if you, if you can't focus enough to play baseball because of a freaking air horn outside the stadium, then you should not have, like your guys just are not major league caliber players. And you know, for Aaron Boone to cry about that is, is one of the most single embarrassing moments a manager could ever have. It is phony. It is ridiculous and he sh- like no man like that's something that I would expect from like a Nationals manager or or like a, a Rays manager but not someone who is the manager of the New York Yankees to complain about because if that was Yankees fans outside the stadium he is not complaining about it he's opening his press conference being like oh good golly gosh I just love the Yankees fans and their passion but the fact that it happened here in in this in a place that he used to call home and uh, you know that it was The fans of his favorite football team that were outside the stadium trying to mess with his team's mojo and for him to come out there and and complain to the freaking umpires about that is bush league it is bush league it is something that an amateur hour manager would do strictly freaking amateur hour grow up there's no savages in the box there's only savages outside the stadium
1: That was strong work, Jack. I I don't I don't really have anything else to say. That was uh that was awesome. I I do have a uh, a couple last things I wanted to get. Did you have anything in your in your in your you know uh take bag at the end here?
0: Um I do. I just I I uh am I ending it or are you ending it with
1: No, you? no, no. Well, all right. So, I have a I have a few final things. Uh, here, let me let me throw something at you. And then you do your you know, take bag, and then I'll give one final take. Um, I mentioned before, I had a really important question to ask you about Nick Pavetta. And I've thought a lot about your relationship with and to Nick Pavetta. Tread lightly. And the, the, the way you tweet, what you say... And I think I've come to the conclusion, and I will remind you that you've never lied to the High Ops listeners, so you cannot lie now. Jack, would you prefer that Nick Pavetta just never comes into any game so you don't have to deal with it? Yes. <laughs> I knew it I get to like every time he comes in it's like this is my nightmare I'm tired like it feels like the the anxiety level that Nick Pavetta caused you and the reaction that you have to take for it it's just not worth it
0: I just want to move on you know I I hope he's great (laughs) I hope I hope he I hope he is great here I really do I just, I, I can't take it. It, it just ruins, <laughs> oh, it ruins. Man. Like, I have to watch every Pavetta pitch with, like, how can I spin this since everything's fine? <laughs> oh, buddy. And And, yeah, it's brutal. You're bur- pot like,
1: committed, as they say, is the problem here.
0: Yeah, I was talking to Ike, you know, and, like, he's hitched his wagon to Carson Wentz, and I was like, yeah, it must be nice, man. I hitched mine to <laughs> Nick Pavetta. Know,
1: I know. So would rather
0: be itched to Wentz. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Well, but here's the thing, like I love him. Like I just can't quit him. I just love him. I <laughs> I, I, I he's throwing his he was throwing his breaking ball hard tonight. Um, well, that
1: first like, inning he cruised like
0: yeah, he was great ever. that
1: first inning.
0: Well, well all the Helped all the I lead. saw all I saw on the second inning was holding the lead, so um and he he did his job but yes no you're you're 100 right it's just oh, so. it's just like so it's just happy. like oh my god like I gotta deal with it tonight <laughs> and it's it's like it's like automatic too it's like the second he comes in it's like here's a thousand tweets about <laughs> hey you watching the game Nick's coming in like thanks man I'm well aware that 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 Nicky Poo is coming in so um yeah I mean I love him I'll never quit him but if he never pitched again for the Phillies, (laughs) it would just, it would just do a lot for me. You know, and I I just get make your
1: life a lot easier.
0: I mean, I just get roasted by everyone from, (laughs) from Twitter to like everyone at the Phillies radio booth, you know, they're always just crushing. It's just like, you know, has, has, I feel like no one's ever believed in a talented player in their lives before me. And then I come along (laughs) and everyone just decides to pile on whatever it's okay tough times last tough or tough times don't last tough people do and um and Pavetta's you know again again held the lead tonight
1: <laughs> I'm very happy I asked that question all right what do you got in your take back
0: um not much you know I think I think it's ridiculous that Hazley's not playing um I mean like Roman Quinn's uh fine but I think that when you have a guy who's as hot as Hazley has been and you know, you you would hope that Hazley can develop into your everyday center fielder. You know, you have to find out if he could hit lefty sometime. I'd rather find out now than when you're trying to legitimately win a World Series. But Yeah. Again, you know, his hands are lower, which is great. Um, it seems like it's kind of
1: He's looked he's just looked comfortable too, hasn't he? Like he's had some really good at bats, like able to foul balls off when, you know, some tough pitches off. I've just been impressed with his approach.
0: I agree. Um, Mick Abel has been added to the, the top 100 prospects. So Phil is officially out four of them. Um, Spencer Howard apparently went down, which is ridiculous. I don't know why. MLB pipeline would drop Spencer Howard. He's fine. You and think they
1: just know that he's coming up on Sunday and they're just like, all right, well,
0: we'll take him. We'll seems- just... Him down Seems dumb, but I cannot wait to watch Spencer Howard on Sunday. He is coming up on Sunday, right? Like yeah, that. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah it, it feels. Well, like I don't think.
0: They, I don't think they can officially say because if they right, then the right. then he can like sue them. Service time. Yep, <laughs> yeah. yep,
1: yep. Because yep, yep, yep. But that'll be fun. Our next podcast that we're going to record is going to be on Sunday, so I cannot wait for that. Anyway, go on.
0: Uh, I would just like to say that a uh, little birdie has told me that Bryson Stott looks unbelievable up at Lehigh Valley. So. Uh, I hope that that continues. Um, I saw a lot of the cardboard cutouts tonight, and I would like to know how many High Hopes listeners have a cardboard cutout. If you have a cardboard oh, great cutout. Great question.
1: Yeah, let us know. Yeah, just Seriously, let us Seriously, at High Hopespot on Twitter. Me too. Yes. I want to know it too. It's a
0: great place. Or send us an email at thehighhopespot at gmail.com. Yes. Um, I, actually, I actually have a cardboard cutout, so uh, look out oh, for mine.
1: Oh, look at you, buddy.
0: My mom bought I, it for me.
1: Oh, that's a door. <laughs> well, you know, what's funny is I never thought of actually getting one for myself, but I have thought about getting Zoe's face there. So I get it.
0: Yeah. Well, it's a little different than um, my mom buying a 26 year old me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Cardboard cutout versus you buying your infant daughter. You,
1: the, you'd appreciate it a lot more than Zoe would. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is true. Um, mm-hmm. I am doing a Reddit AMA next Thursday oh, with our friends over at Philly's Reddit. Um,
1: shout out to Otter Hooligan.
0: Yes, as always. And MetSuck um, and Seahawks Joe. So uh, doing a doing a Reddit AMA if you have any questions. I'll promise to answer them. Uh, well not every question, but um and some guy was already mad that I'm gonna bring up my high school career, and I said, Well, only if you ask about it um and yeah there's uh high hops if you're not if you're not drinking high hops during a phillies game um i think there's something wrong um so get out to to four fingers brewing company pick up a growler of high hops and enjoy some phillies baseball you know maybe pick it up for spencer howard's first start that's something i would probably do um but that's just me so there's there's fresh batches of high hops at four fingers brewing company the official brewery of the high hopes podcast go out and and attempt to talk phillies with my dad it won't go well but (laughs) it's always fun to try please
1: i can vouch the high hops is a outstanding beer it's a session beer it's easy to drink it's smooth and it works so get on out and get that um I hate to do this to you, Jack. I think you saw this coming. Why are you
0: why are you making why are you bringing so many negative things into my life?
1: Ah, uh, my final thought of the night I didn't hate the seven inning double letters.
0: Uh, I, didn't, get hate out. It. Get I out. didn't hate it. I
1: didn't hate it. I get didn't out. hate it. I didn't hate And I went in I went in expecting to hate it. I went in wanting to hate it. And you know what? At the end of the night I was like, that was all right.
0: No, see this is this is this is just <laughs> another this is another example of people with kids that just wanna to go to bed yeah. and just wanna yeah. ruin a tradition. I'm not lie. Yeah, yeah, of I'm not course, lie. I know. That's what every yeah. everyone's the same BS. It's all you just wanna to go to bed. How about whatever happened to toughening out toughening it out and, and sticking up or something? James, when was the last time you you, you stood for something? How about you st- <laughs> how about you stand for no more seven inning doubleheaders? I mean, it's so it's so Mickey Mouse. Yeah, let's just change. Let's just have every game be nine innings, and then every once in a while, we'll just change it to seven. Are you freaking I knew kidding this me? Gonna if someone if someone pitched a no hitter during a seven inning game, what would you say that that pitcher did that day?
1: I would hate it. And right. uh, look, correct, I, correct. It was, I know you would. So i i I think that I'm particularly a fan of it for this unique, weird season because, like especially as a Phillies fan like it is super beneficial for the Phillies a not having to dip into the bullpen as much potentially in those types of games and B, just the fact they're gonna have to play a lot of these games and saving innings does matter so I think maybe I have a slight bias towards it for this season in particular as a Phillies fan but I just didn't hate it the way I thought I would that's kind of where I'm at
0: well I mean I get it I mean I I I was a part of a lot of seven-inning doubleheaders, so I guess I just knew how it was going to go. You know, I, I just anticipated people being like, wow, that was better. It was faster. It's like, yeah, I know, because it's two it's two innings shorter. Um, it's like,
1: wow, yeah, four innings shorter.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's correct. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I, I get it. I, I understand. Like, it just, the game is just, but it's just fast. Like, it's just there, and it's gone, you know. Um, I, I, I kept the book for a lot of seven-inning games. I get it. I just I just don't think you can I just hate the idea of of a Every game's nine innings, and then we're just going to change it to seven innings. Sometimes I, look,
1: I agree. It uh, just on the whole, it feels Mickey Mouse. I just I expected to hate it because I hated the idea of it, and I didn't hate it. And and that, well, that's you know
0: I I don't I don't look I don't expect we're to gonna have a anything.
1: lot of we're gonna have a lot of Phillies games coming up, Jack. Uh, you, the your boy Gilio tweeting out, the Phillies now schedules play thirty three games in thirty days from August twenty fifth to September twenty third, only one off day in that stretch. So. They've got a 7 game series against the Marlins in September. This oh, is going to be weird. Man. Can we can it's we get an
0: early early prediction on the Marlins series? The Phillies go 2 and 5?
1: Dude, I mean, the Marlins will probably be running away with the NL East by then, so. Hey, they're playing you know.
0: they're playing over 800 ball heading into break, August. Break, break up the that?
1: Marlins, man. Come on. It's unreal. Oh man! All right, uh, we'll be back on Sunday. Big series, Jack. I mean, they're they're playing Atlanta. Atlanta coming to town, especially here. You want to try and get those games two or three, two or three,
0: perpetually two or three. Uh, tomorrow <laughs> right. night, tomorrow night is Colorado uh, versus Velasquez. Take the over. Right. Um, right. Saturday, Arietta versus Soroka. Well, not Soroka. Um, no,
1: it's a, to be. They haven't. They haven't announced this. Poor, story yet, but that's, honestly, Sunday like, it's Freed versus We think coward
0: yeah well poor Soroka. i mean that just a brutal injury um
1: oh it's it's a bummer like and and you know it's obviously like you don't want to say good for the phillies but like you also like it's just like it sucks like i'm i'm not happy about it like he's so great it sucks
0: yeah correct so uh yeah just a fun weekend uh i'm looking forward forward to freddie freeman torching us and uh Marcelo Zuna hitting one to the upper deck in left field. So um, if they can not let that happen, that would be great. At least, you know, spins out on that. No more Brian McCann. So uh, love it. no Thank more you. Brian McCann and no more Chipper Jones. So yeah. the two Phillies well, killers are gone.
1: Uh, let, let's just say I hope that we don't have to talk about any of these games in hypothetical terms as if they didn't happen.
0: And, uh, yes, happy Happy Spencer Howard has, has finally arrived weekend.
1: And we'll be there to talk to you after it happens. All right.